Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. President, thank you. At the end of such a momentous event, the word thank you seems kind of inadequate. But for all the millions whose lives will be saved, for the communities where life will be transformed, thank you. So thank you, President Biden, for your outstanding. So what is the impact of inflation on the midterm so far? With me now, CNN senior data reporter Harry Yen, who's been crunching these numbers so hard the last few days. No time to shave. No time to shave. It's just time to do work, John. But the answer, Harry, to how much of an impact this is having, it may surprise people, right? I think it may surprise people. So Gallup has been asking this question for a while. What's the most important problem facing the country? You can name more than one. You'll see here, look, all the economic problems, inflation, gas prices, what have you, whatever the Americans say, total up to 37%. Now that's on the top of the list compared to individual issues. You can see right here the government poor leadership at 20% in second place. But here's the key nugget down here. 66% say something other than the economy is the most important issue. So the economy right now is, number one, is an individual issue, but it's only a plurality. It's not a majority. Put that in some historical context now. Yeah, so let's put that in some historical context, right? How many say the economy is the most important issue? This is comparing the final, to the final poll preceding midterm and presidential elections since 1988. Right now, we're at about 37%, right? The average from 1988 through 2020 was 39%. So, in fact, we're, if anything, slightly below average for the percentage of Americans who say the economy is the top problem. It's not anywhere close to where we were in 2012. It is above where we were in 2018, but... It's really just about average over the last That's 35 years. That's astounding to me. It's actually slightly below average there. When was the last time inflation was so high? So compared to the last time inflation was so high. So the nation's top problem midterm cycle. So this is the last time it was this high. At this point in a midterm cycle was 1974. Back in 1974, about 80% of Americans said the economy was, in fact, the top problem. Now it's just 37%. So this is a very different picture than you might be expecting to see when inflation was this high. Uh, the not percentage of Americans who say the economy is the top problem just isn't matching up at all. Do you know why, Harry? Why? Why, John, with that wonderful leading question? Well, inflation hasn't been higher since 74, but here's the whole thing. If you look at different portions of the economy, it gives you a different picture. This is the lowest unemployment rate at this point in the midterm cycle since 1954, and it's the biggest drop in the unemployment rate in a midterm cycle since 1954. So inflation bad, but unemployment pretty good. Interesting to see the different cross currents in the 
Well, this is coming when, you know, there's all of this wealth and you hear about it comes as England is facing rising costs of living, a living crisis, austerity budget cuts and so on. And then you have those who are asking uh, for reparations for colonialism. And they're wondering, you know, $100 billion, $24 billion here and there, $500 million there. Some people want to be paid back and, uh, and members of the public are wondering, why are we suffering when you are... You know, you have all of this vast wealth. Those are legitimate concerns. Well, I think you're right about reparations in terms of if people want it, though, what they need to do is you always need to go back to the beginning of a supply chain. Where was the beginning of the supply chain? That was in Africa. And when that crossed the entire world, when the slavery was taking place, which was the first nation in the world that abolished sla uh, slavery? The first nation in the world to abolish it. It was started by William Wilberforce, was the British. In, in Great Britain, they abolished slavery. 2,000 naval men died on the high seas trying to stop slavery. Why? Because the African kings were rounding up their own people. They had them on cages waiting in the beaches. No one was running into Africa to get them. And I think you're totally right. If reparations need to be paid, we need to go right back to the beginning of that supply chain and say who was rounding up their own people and having them handcuffed in cages. Absolutely. That's where they should start. And maybe, I don't know, the descendants of those families where they died at the, in the high seas trying to stop the slavery, that those families should receive something too, I think, at the same time. It's an interesting discussion, Hillary. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. We'll continue. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It's the 22nd of September, year of our Lord, 2022. This is episode 627. An intro, I love it. He's fucking lost. CNN going to talk about their agenda not their facts because it's clearly obvious abortion is not an important thing but they want to make it an important thing and last but not least somebody just hook line and sinkered mr freaking lemon because the truth about slavery it was african-americans who sold people to white doesn't mean that slavery was good white people shouldn't have done it that's not the point but if you want reparations, you're going to have to go back to the source. Just saying. Which brings me to a quick comment before I get into the meat and potatoes of this podcast, which is very troubling. Um, two main subjects and some ash and trash in between. Shouldn't be that long. I just finished U.S. and the Holocaust on PBS. Um Granted, I wasn't going to watch it because Ken Burns, after the Civil War, turned into a libtard. Um, I think everybody is. Uh, I got to play this to, before I make my point. This soundbite sums up what's wrong with our world. Fuck, it was corrupt. It's the CEO of Unilever saying that He's sick of the anti-woke people, that it's nothing wrong with this, and blah, blah, blah. And it's very interesting because I was a Lever 2000 fanatic. I loved Lever 2000. It's what I was. I mean, I religiously love that bar. It sounds weird, but it was my favorite shampoo. I took it on the road. I took it to the field. I took it to Afghanistan. Well, then they changed it, and they changed the product and changed the packaging at the time they didn't say why it was for sustainability so now the bar soap didn't lather you didn't feel like you're clean you couldn't get the wrapper off it and they wrote me a letter back because it's one of the rare times i actually wrote and said hey this bar of soap sucks 
what happened? We want to support the climate and bring a product for all skin tones, not just Caucasian. That was my letter. Basically, go fuck yourself, Whitey. And I, I sometimes think, and, and I thought about this really strong at the end of U.S. and the Holocaust. If people are doing things because they're just scared, you know, it goes back to that sign, we are for blah, 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 blah. Here, let me just pull it up. Um, so I'm just not saying blah, 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 blah. This sign right here, which there's quantitative proof that people were doing this during the riots in Poland because they didn't want their shit fucked up. And with this new black rock with sustain, uh, sustainability and wokeness and we're, that's our portfolio and it's good for the planet and green and yada, yada. So does I wonder if they bank on it. You don't see as much green shit. There were commercials forever for green stuff. And now you don't see it as much. And I just wonder if they're doing it because they need to. Because at the end of the U.S. and the Holocaust, they were equating January 6th to the Holocaust. That's what he did. It was in there. And that wasn't even a racial event. But he tied in the last five minutes. Because... He has to. You just have to. I want to get these stats up front. This is just... These stats are insane. What we're dealing with with immigration, and that was the intent of this. It was to fucking say we should be taking migrants and equating the Venezuelans and everything. No, it's not the same as the fucking Holocaust. And what America did and the low number of migrants we let come in, that was wrong. And there was racism. But there was a huge difference between those persecuted refugees and motherfuckers just walking in the country. That's totally different. It's not the same. Okay? Cohen, brand new political morning console poll, the polarity of Hispanics say it's appropriate for Republican gunners to relocate. And this is the problem that I don't understand with the left that they're not picking up. Now, I'm going to purposely not do immigration. We'll pick up whatever stories that the DeSantis hate. Uh, maybe I'll get in at the end, but I, I tried to just do a two subject today. But this is the overriding thing for everything we're dealing with right now. It's immigration and why they're doing it. And we know why they're doing it. It is to replace, replace you. They, You've got mail. They don't want you. You're not the person they want. They want people that don't ask questions and go along with everything they want. Have you been fucked by this? Vandal hits Washington Monument with message about shafted by Uncle Sam. And I would bet money it's a, a vet. A vet did it. I'm sure he did. And the only po- po- political thing before we get into our subjects today, or immigration thing, is a Bill Magoon. And increasingly irritated with Fox News' Bill Magoon. 
it got out. One administration official who used to work on immigration issues told the West Wing Playbook that the Biden team has complained about the lack of nuance in the network's coverage of the topic, which focuses more on the number of migrants rather than explaining the root cause. Well, that's what your vice president was supposed to do, and she never did it. She never did it. We never found out what the root cause is. It's not climate changes I've heard 100,000 times. And if we're going to talk about migrant policies and everybody's a fucking racist, what about this bitch? Is she a racist? You have all committed, as you all know, uh, to transition the emissions from lending and investment activities to align with pathways to net zero in 2050. Do you know uh, what the International Energy Energy um, Agency has said is required to meet our global 2050 net zero targets of limiting global temperature rise to 2.7 degrees Fahrenheit or Uh, 1.5 degrees Celsius? So no new fossil fuel production starting today. So that's like zero. So I would like to ask all of you and go down the list because, again, you all have agreed to doing this. Please answer with a simple yes or no. Does your bank have a policy against funding new oil and gas products? Mr. Diamond. Absolutely not. And that would be the road to hell for America. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine, sir. You know what? Everybody that got relief from student loans has a bank account with your bank should probably take out their account and close their account. The fact that you're not even there to help relieve many of the folks that are in debt, extreme debt because of student loan debt and you're out there criticizing it. Ms. Frazier, how about you? Uh, we will continue to invest in uh, and support clients who are investing in fossil fuels and in uh, in helping them transition to cleaner energies. And Mr. Uh, Monahan? We are helping our clients make a transition, and that means we're, inve- we're lending to both oil and gas companies and to new energy companies and helping monitor their course towards the standards you're talking about. Yeah, Mr. Sharp? Uh, Excuse me, uh, the same thing as Mr. Moynihan said. Yeah, I'm not going to ask you, Mr. Diamond, because you obviously don't care about working class people in frontline communities like ours that are facing huge amounts of high rates of asthma, respiratory issues, and so much more. Cancer rates are so high among my communities that I represent. So I'm not going to even ask you if you're committing to ending financing of new oil and gas projects. But Ms. Frazier, Mr. Monahan, Mr. Shea, we are living through a climate crisis today. And a commitment to net zero requires a commitment to ending fossil fuel financing. It is important because I want you all to know at the end, we're going to pay the cost of the public health impact. These are people that you're supposed to be serving, the folks that you're supposed to be providing and supporting in communities. And how about this racist? And isn't this pretty fucking racist? Take a look at it. There are, and it's not just Japan and South Korea, but there are quite a few countries that are really struggling because young people, because under the burdens of capitalism and under living under a society that's increasingly concentrating wealth among the rich, we're not having kids and, or we're not having kids at the same rate. And we actually need immigrant populations to help balance things out. We can't continue to fund social security, Medicare, all of this stuff without immigrants. And it's always been that way. Don't act like this is some new trend or anything like that. I'm just asking for a friend. I, I think it's 
pretty fucking ignorant. In my usual way, I would build a case for a play this, but I really don't have to. Um, sadly, there's consequences to what we do, and, and I would say the Bernie thing should have been consequences. When a guy shot up a baseball field, it should have been consequences. But somehow, some way, it didn't. They flipped it to basically be about Trump. This isn't national news. This should be national news. Fuck you, asshole. You, asshole. This is why we can't have nice things. You asshole! Are you just an asshole? Is that it? Fuck you, you asshole! You ever hear the saying, you run into an asshole in the morning, you ran into an asshole? You run into assholes all day, you're the asshole. Fuck you, asshole. You! You are such an asshole! You dumb asshole! Asshole. Fucking asshole! Away from me, you asshole. Compared to Democratic rally, we're making real progress. We passed the Inflation Reduction Act to bring down costs, the bipartisan infrastructure law to rebuild America, the American Rescue Plan to bring our economy back, and so much more. But the extreme MAGA Republicans want to take it all back. You know, they're talking about cutting Social Security and Medicare, banning abortion access across the country. We need to elect Democrats this November and fight back and keep moving forward for the American people. So join us. We need you. Please join us. Again, just today, President Putin has made overt nuclear threats against Europe and a reckless disregard for the responsibilities of the non-proliferation regime. Now, Russia is calling, calling up more soldiers to join the fight, and the Kremlin is organizing a sham referenda to try to annex parts of Ukraine, an extremely <clears throat> significant violation of the UN Charter. This world should see these outrageous acts for what they are. Putin claims he had to act because Russia was threatened. But no one threatened Russia, and no one other than Russia sought conflict. In fact, we warned it was coming, and with many of you, we worked to try to avert it. Putin's own words make his true purpose unmistakable. Just before he invaded, Putin asserted, and I quote, Ukraine was created by Russia and never had, quote, real statehood. You may be seated. Come to order. When are we going to start banning MAGA Republicans from establishments? If you're wearing the shirt and you're wearing the hat, don't come in my store. Don't come in my restaurant. Kick them out of the fucking bank. I don't care. They're repping it like a gang. And anywhere else, gang violence isn't tolerated. So why is it for them?
they're just uneducated white people, kick them out. I don't understand the differences. 41-year-old Shannon Brandt had a tough time understanding the charges against him, vehicular homicide, and leaving the scene of a deadly accident. A judge ordered Brandt held on $50,000 cash, which he objected, saying he's not a flight risk. A job and a, and a, a life and a house and things that I don't exactly want to see, you know, go by the wayside. Family that are very important to me. New developments tonight in the death of a teenager at a Foster County street dance. According to court papers, it wasn't an accident, but they say a politically motivated attack. WDAY News reporter Matt Henson broke the story for you online today. He joins us live tonight for why the driver confessed to police. Matt? Dan and Kirsten, according to court papers, moments before he was killed, 18-year-old Kaylor Ellingson called his mom to come rescue him because 41-year-old Shannon Brandt was chasing him in the city of McHenry where the street dance had just wrapped up. The papers don't indicate how Kaylor Ellingson was being chased, but by the time his mom could get there, her son was dead. I don't understand the differences. 41-year-old Shannon Brandt had a tough time understanding the charges against him, vehicular homicide, and leaving the scene of a deadly accident. He's actually the one that called 911 uh, to report the crash. Police say it happened in this alley around 2.30 Sunday morning after the street dance. Court papers show Brandt told the 911 dispatcher that he just hit Kaylor Ellingson because the teen was part of a Republican extremist group and was calling people to come get Brandt after a political argument. Ellingson's mom told police her son called her just before the crash, asking if she knew Brandt, and she said she did. She does not believe her son knew Brandt. Still trying to determine exactly what all transpired at the time of the crash, but prior to that as well. Police say Brandt was drunk when he hit and killed Ellingson with his SUV. We do not know of any witnesses. Uh, we still are making uh, attempts to interview potential witnesses from the street dance, people that were present uh, prior to the crash happening. A judge ordered Brandt held on $50,000 cash, which he objected, saying he's not a flight risk. A job and, a, and a, a life and a house and things that I don't exactly want to see, you know, go by the wayside. Family that are very important to me. If convicted on the vehicular homicide charge alone, Brandt could face, would, excuse me, would face a minimum of 10 years in prison because of a DUI on his record. The max is 20, and troopers say as the investigation develops, they could recommend more serious. And what would you say to people who say, oh, I'm not going to bother to register to vote because my voice doesn't make a difference, or I'm just one person? I say one, I say one name, Donald Trump. Motivate you. Get off your ass and vote. Will you, will you sue him for us? Oh, we're gonna... You hear his rhetoric and his woke shit to the UN. You see a guy, a lady, or a guy that actually is a Democrat who actually killed somebody for actually reporting shit, and nobody wants to call him a Democrat and say you killed somebody. You have a TikToker with general stuff. That's what they say about righties. He's like, I didn't do anything wrong. And then you have the New York lady who's saying, we're just going to find some. We don't really need to find a, we're going to find a crime to get them. It doesn't matter if it's a real crime. We're just going to keep on doing it. And we've been doing it for fucking five years, six years. And that's okay. The media never stop. 
tell me with Biden's rhetoric, and you're going to hear civil war, you're going to hear a lie, you're going to hear Abrams, you're going to hear somebody calling Nikki Haley a race traitor, you're going to say somebody that property doesn't actually get stuff, and our last soundbite is Republicans, the party of inhumanity. You imagine a January 2023 mm-hmm. as going very, very badly. If you could sketch briefly that very bad outcome and what we can do to prevent it. So to make it clear to everyone, this is speculative fiction. It's a nonfiction book that opens with a chapter of speculative fiction. We're imagining something that could happen. All right, Texas changed its laws after 2020, making <clears throat> already restrictive laws even more restrictive. And there are concerns, and they've manifested themselves in the March primary there, that voters of color might have more difficulty complying with those. So we paint a scenario where, also under Texas law, you can open carry, and poll observers, election watchers, have been given more powers to move around and contest things. So there's an argument, and the argument escalates. And nobody knows how or why, but a gunshot goes off, and a voter dies. And Democrats looking at this nationally say, oh my God, this is now a death in a polling place And this looks like an assault on democracy that is now riddled with blood on the floor, literally in a voting precinct. And they say, look, these tensions are so intense, we've reached our breaking point in terms of tolerance. And the Speaker of the House, in this speculative fiction story, we say, doesn't see the entire Texas delegation, Republicans and Democrats, as a protest over what's going on in Texas. And because it's a close election, that delegation decides who controls the House. So now, who controls the House of Representatives? Corrine, I want to ask you about this political stunt by the Republican governors shipping the migrants to places like uh, Martha's Vineyard and other places around the country so that they miss their asylum hearings and and other things. Um, And also uh, tricking localities into thinking migrants like these were coming their way, like Joe Biden's home state of Delaware or New Jersey in preparation for the president's speech and then finding out they're not coming. Um, This seems like something that the president would take offense to, given his empathy to human beings. does uh, does the president plan to say more about this more pointedly and does it include validation that there is indeed a crisis at the border at the same time so mika i'll I'll say this and the president talks about how it's important to treat people with dignity and what you're seeing from governor desantis is inhumane Uh, it is not solving a problem it is not a solution it is causing uh, chaos and confusion and these are people who are who are fleeing communism you think about venezuela you think about nicaragua you think about cuba that's what they're fleeing and they're being used as a political pawn and that is not a solution now If I were Governor DeSantis, I would ask uh, his Senate colleagues, why have not, why have not, they have not helped in solving this? There is no such thing as a heartbeat in six weeks. It is a manufactured sound designed to convince people that men have the right to take control of a woman's body away from her. I think we've got some if they're willing to challenge Trump. I'd love to see Nikki Haley. I'd love to see Liz Cheney. I'd love to see and Nikki Chris Haley, Benu. the chameleon, and and Liz Cheney. Who's a I disagree. Uh, I think I flip think flop. I think that Nikki Haley is incredibly effective governor what is her of real South name Carolina. Assign- Wait, Alyssa, I have a question because for you. Aside from Ron DeSantis, <laughs> a lot of a lot of people don't go by their actual real what name. What is her name? Yeah, I believe it's, uh, I don't want to mispronounce it. It's, it's Indian, but she, she's, but her background's she Indian. Necessary, you know, I think if she leaned into... A ton of people well, don't go by their but, uh, color uh, wait, name. In fact, the um, 
suspect or, or the person that could allege to be involved in a crime of stealing the converter uh, were on, on the scene and the police arrived and the whole question was that like arrest couldn't be made and the person was let go. Of course, investigation is still pending. From my point of view, it's a really good example. Luckily, it wasn't a serious crime. It's a property crime. It, no one was hurt. No one was injured. It wasn't violent crime. Uh, right, but by so. the grace of God, people are there on the ground who are actually practicing principles of compassion and grace yeah. because this sick guy sure didn't care about him. Exactly. So, Elise, you're right, it's sick. And, I mean, for other Republicans who may have some opinions on this that they don't feel like sharing, you might want to share. You're human beings, too, you know, although it's getting hard to believe. I know some of you have a hard time getting over Donald Trump. So maybe you can't get over Donald Trump. Maybe you're too scared to step out of line with Donald Trump. But do you really want to be in the party of inhumanity? the party that is literally becoming inhumane. You're gonna be the party that forces a child to bear a child of its rapist. That's number one, that's your party. You're gonna be the party that thinks owning weapons of war should be free and easy for everybody in an age where our children are getting slaughtered on a regular basis. That's your party. And now you're in the party that thinks it's funny thinks it's funny to mislead fathers, mothers, and babies who have fled the oppression in their country, who have walked through many countries to get here to America to seek asylum, yes, at the border, where there is, yes, a crisis. And you think it's funny to mislead them and load them up onto a plane, tell them they're going to a better place, and then put them in a place where they are sure to miss their asylum hearing. Isn't that rhetoric that caused this? Wouldn't we talk about it? Nobody in the mainstream media is even covering this. Nothing. I was going to do slides to show you. To be fair, since the New York Times isn't doing any ongoing coverage on a Waukesha Christmas parade, massacre of the Temple of Life on a Supreme Court justice, would they cover North Dakota? There's nothing. Nobody covered it. That's a local news story. That's all I could find. He even admitted doing it. He didn't have a problem admitting it. He did it. He, by his social media, which is now shut down, was a lib. He's a lib. He did it because his president told him to do it. Man charged with killing teen echoes Biden's repeat Republican extremism rhetoric to justify his act. Got in a political argument over whether the teen was part of a Republican extremist, a Republican extremist group. That language strongly resembled the description used by Biden just a few weeks ago, with mega Republican as being a threat to the very soul of the country. In that speech, Biden claimed it was Republicans who had a blind loyalty to a single leader and a willingness to engage in political violence. Ellington was reportedly participating in a street dance for the incident occurred, according to court documents obtained by Valley News Live, because mainstream isn't finding it. Ellington called his mom shortly before the crash to ask if he knew who Brant was. His mother got firm she did and told Ellington she was on the way to pick him up. In a second call, Ellington told the mount, mount, his mom Brant was chasing him. North Dakota Highway Patrol Captain Brian Newen confirms Brant was the one who called 911 to report the crash around 2.30 on Sunday, but that didn't stop Brant from abandoning the scene. We're still trying to determine what exactly transpired. We know, but we're not going to say it. 
because we can't have uh, domestic violence the other way. Why would we? I mean, do you know what this would be like? The New Republic, are state governments too powerful? Now they want to take away states' rights. This is nonstop. And it's the way of life. They're going after our way of life. You say that, and it's like, oh my God, you racist. I'm not talking about black people. I'm not talking about brown people. I'm talking about every people is getting affected by this. Because it never stops. Ever. It's non-fucking-stop. Judiciary Democrats just voted to support non-citizens voting in our election. Amendment to the amendment in the nation of substitute the HR 8770 offering permit non-residents to vote. That is not being covered. You can look it up. HR 8770. They're doing it. I mean, you didn't think they let 4 million motherfuckers in here just because they like tacos. Do you? And this radicalization is even here. When I heard this, I was fucking shocked. So I'm not even playing bumper. I'm not playing the woke bumper. I am going to play you four sound bites. One of them is from Philadelphia. The first two are going to be from motherfucking Nashville. And how they're hiding their transgender surgery clinic for kids as young as 13. Starting in January 1st of 2017, uh, according to the Affordable Care Act, insurance cover carriers are mandated to cover medical expenses for trans folks. Um, some of our BUMC financial folks in, 20, in August of 20, I'm sorry, October of 2016, sorry, a couple of years ago, put down some costs of how much money we think each patient would bring in. And this is only including top surgery. This isn't including any bottom surgery. And um, it's a lot of money. These surgeries make a lot of money. Um, so female to male chest reconstruction can bring in $40,000. Uh, a patient just on routine hormone treatment, who I'm only seeing a few times a year, can bring in several thousand dollars that requires a lot of visits and labs. It actually makes money for the hospital. Now these I got from the internet, um, but it's from uh, the Philadelphia Center for Transgender Surgery, which has um, does a lot of um, surgery for patients. And I just want to give you an idea of how much these bottom surgeries are making. And this is, I think this has to be an underestimate. Uh, this is for a vaginoplasty. They're saying they're quoting roughly around $20,000 for a vaginoplasty, but that doesn't include your hospital stay, that doesn't include your post-op visits, that doesn't include um, your anesthesia, your OR. So I would think that this has to be a gross underestimate. I think that's just like the surgeon's uh, piece of it, which anybody who's ever been in the hospital knows that that's like 10% of it. Uh, and then the female to male bottom surgeries, these are huge money makers. Again, I think this has to be an underestimate that they're quoting around $20,000 for a phalloplasty. There's been different things that I've read that said it could be up to $100,000. Um, Dr. Winokur, who's our surgeon, 
said that there's entire clinics where the entire clinic is supported just by their phalloplasties, and that is like a fraction of the surgeries that they're doing. These surgeries are labor intensive, they require a lot of follow-ups, they require a lot of OR time, and they make money. They make money for the hospital. If you are going to assert conscientious objection, you have to realize that that is problematic. You are doing something to another person and you are not paying for the, the cost for your belief. I think that is a real, I mean, I think that's a real issue. So, um, so I think, you know, so you're, so yes, Vanderbilt, if someone has a conscientious objection to per, uh, per participating in this sort of surgery, it, it probably have to accommodate you to the extent that you can find another person who can do your job, who doesn't have an objection, other things of that nature. But I just want you to take home that saying that you're not going to do something because of your conscientious, because of your religious beliefs is not without consequences. And, and it should not be without consequences. And I just want to put that out there. We are given enormous, if you don't want to do this kind of work, don't work at Vanderbilt. So this is really good for us to know. Um, so tell me, does your mom know about this? Well, my mom's really unhappy about this and she doesn't know about my friends calling me Amanda. Okay. So. You're telling me this today, and I'm wondering if you want some help from us to help your mom understand what's going on with you. Yeah, I need help. Um, my mom won't listen to me or my therapist, and it's just all getting worse. Okay. What do you mean by it's getting all worse? I don't want to look like a guy, and I don't want to get big. And since my mom won't help me get hormones, I don't like to eat so that I'll stay skinny and more female. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so you're not eating because you want to look feminine and feel more feminine? Yeah, it's kind of stupid. It's not stupid, but I would say that it's getting a little bit dangerous. Today you fainted, which is letting your heart know that it's not getting the nutrition it needs um, to keep up. So I'm really glad you're telling me this because I think that we can really start to help you. What made you feel safe enough that you could tell us this today, Amanda? Well, you asked about my name and my pronouns, and people who know about this stuff know to ask that. I'm so glad that I asked, and I'm really glad that you shared this with me today. So here's the plan. I'm going to go and talk to the team and let them know this information. You're going to see us talking, and we'll be talking about you, and we're going to come up with a plan to help your mom get on board. When parents aren't on board, sometimes we have to take baby steps. Um, so, since your mom doesn't know that we call you Amanda, um, she might use your other name. Is that okay if we use that name when we're talking to her? Yeah, I think my mom's really unhappy about this, so you can just use Jacob with her. Thank you. Thanks for your... My name is Sean Riley, and I'm the program coordinator for TransBuddy at the Program for LGBTQ Health at Vanderbilt University. TransBuddy provides trained peer advocates for transgender patients who are coming for doctor's appointments or other healthcare related services. Whether you're looking for something that's related to medical transition, such as hormone therapy, or something completely unrelated, like breaking an arm or going to an ENT, we are here to help support any transgender patients that come through our doors. 
The Trans Money program was organically created through the efforts of transgender people and continues to consistently be led by trans people in Middle Tennessee. TransBuddy program is a one-of-a-kind in the nation, and institutions are looking to Vanderbilt to replicate and expand programs like ours. We're not seeking to find solutions often for people's problems. We're just seeking to be there and to accompany and to be a friendly face, um, and to be a non-medical face in a in a place where everybody coming in the room is going to be a healthcare provider and and may be unsafe. Sometimes I'm there to be. Um, sort of uh, always observing kind of how hospital staff are um, interacting with the individuals and again, you know, using correct pronouns or treating the individual with respect. In our buried lead, that's what we call stories we do not think are getting enough attention. At least 50 groups are fighting to ban books in U.S. schools. That's according to Penn, a nonprofit literary advocacy organization. A new report from Penn says these groups are fighting to ban material related to race and LGBTQ rights and critical race theory and more. Joining us now to discuss, Jonathan Friedman. He's the Director of Free Expression and Education Programs at PEN America. Jonathan, thanks for joining us. Your report breaks down the subject matters for the books that are currently, there, there are pushes for them to be banned. A majority of them have LGBTQ plus themes or have a protagonist of, of color. Um, explain more, if you would, and, and obviously the devil's advocate argument might be to a parent out there, hey, I don't want my first grade reading anything having to do with sexuality, much less LGBTQ or heterosexual anything. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm happy to talk about this. You know, in district after district, we've been tracking book bans, efforts to remove and restrict and diminish access to literature for young people, and the trends are very clear. Now, I tied in there a Jake Tapper thing about book burning, and I did it on purpose because this is what they're doing. They are tying in obscure things, not telling the truth. This, this isn't about, this has nothing to do with books. It has nothing to do with books. It has to do with what kids should be seeing. And this is Nashville. This is right, I went to this clinic. This is where I went for my gastro procedures. And the trans buddies, because you have to be perfect on all your oration with these people. And they admit 13-year-old kids. How bad is this? Well, I'm going to play our usual crazy fucking shit. And the last bite you're going to see is it's on Dancing with the Stars. Day 66, being a girl, and today I'm in nature. Trees, I love them. Water, lakes, I love them. Heels, they're my hiking heels. I love them. Bridges, love them. Coconut water, love it, not nad, just love it. Wind turbine, love it. <laughs> Meadows, love them. I'm scared of getting Lyme disease. Love ya. Ah! Oh. Did you see that? I gotta get out of here. 
Did you see that? There's a dragon. Oh my god. Never again. Get me out of here. Love ya. Badges worn by some Hilliard teachers aimed at reaching out to LGBTQ plus students. But some parents are pinning some protests on them. New at six, they say the badges are steering their kids to the wrong place and exposing them to sexually explicit material. And they say school is not the place to be wearing them. Here's Luann Stoya. Some of these are not fit to... Oh, okay. Hilliard parent Lisa Chaffee has checked out the website and says the content is nothing kids should access, like sexual techniques and sex acts. The badge has a QR code that once scanned, takes you to a website that has extremely inappropriate information. And as a parent, that crosses the line. Teachers K through 12 can wear the badge that says, I'm here, safe person, safe space. The district says the intent of the badge is a message of safety and inclusion for all students. We do obviously want it to be a safe space for everybody, but we want it to be clear as to what the zones are of how conversations are handled. And, and that they're not just like this, sort of misfiring in different directions. Uh, Well-intentioned people just, you know, going overboard in one direction or another and, and not having any state standards to follow. Nobody from the district would answer our questions on camera, but the superintendent sent us a statement reading in part, teachers were reminded that the resources linked to the QR code were for adult learning only. Teachers were reminded that if asked about the I'm here message on the badge, their response should be age appropriate. I want to clarify the law as it relates to uh, discussions in the classroom. I think every teacher should be safe to go to to discuss any issue a student might have. They should not have to identify themselves as safe. Teachers need to be allowed to teach. I'm a parent and I'm sorry to all you parents out there, but you do not get a say in your child's teacher's lesson plans. I spent thousands of dollars on a degree and my educator's license and I would be gosh darned if parents tried to tell me how to write my lesson plans that I literally went to school to learn how to write. You know, if a parent wants to have that much say in their kid's education, then you know what, you probably need to homeschool them. Straight up though, if I ever have to have an abortion, you bet I'm going to have a fucking party. I'm like going to have like cupcakes with like aborted fetuses drawn on them, lots of snacks. This is just a daily reminder that your pronouns should be respected in any healthcare setting. Whether you are transgender or non-binary, Whatever you tell the healthcare team your pronouns are, are exactly what every single member of the healthcare team should be referring to you as. Just because you're in a healthcare setting, and even if you're presenting with a problem that is related to a body part associated with your gender assigned at birth, does not mean that your pronouns should not be respected. I had a mother of a patient who was very lovely and totally respected her child's they them pronouns. And when I confirmed that those were in fact the child's pronouns, the mother said yes, but we totally understand if you need to refer to them as their biological sex. Given that we're in a healthcare setting and they're presenting with these certain issues. And I said no. I said what we are treating has nothing to do with the child's gender identity and their pronouns will be respected, so you don't have to worry about that. And when we would round on the patient whenever somebody would use the wrong pronouns, I would respectfully correct them. 
One good thing that came out of this is that my supervisor actually asked me to give a talk to the rest of the healthcare team about transgender and non-binary patients in the healthcare setting. Dancing the salsa with her partner Gleb Savchenko, it's Shangela. That's a dude. That's a dude. I'm going to let this sit up there, too, while we're talking about the trans shit, because this is what they're saying. They're going to impeach Biden, Kinziger. These are the people that are running. They use this as a cudgel, and they're the most dishonest people in the world. National Teachers Union, LGBTQ plus caucus has created a website and badge for public school employees that promote a how-to guide for anal sex, bondage, rimming, domination, sadomasochism, muffing, and fisting. I'm not even putting the pictures up. I'm not doing it. No. Why do kids need to know how to fucking rim? I don't even know what that is. There are sound bites of Falky saying he knew all this stuff was going to hurt kids, but he did it anyway. Not playing it. He doesn't get airtime on my show anymore. No. No. I, I. How do we normalize this? In there. Hillard School allows teacher to wear a safe space badge with a QR code. When scanned, the code leads into inappropriate websites containing sexually explicit content. The superintendent continues to allow the badges to be worn in school. How? How are people like that in our schools? Why are people like that teaching our children? When everything goes, you get crazy people. And I don't care what you say. It all ties in. You have a murder and you have all this craziness. It's everywhere. And we're in an election field. Now we know... Facebook is on your private messaging. Google is doing it. Instagram's doing it. We have Gavin Newsom putting up billboards in red states for abortion because it's still about killing babies. In Senate testimony, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok execs push pro-censorship narrative that we should be censored. Not the left. You. U.S. military bought mass monitoring tool that included internet browsing, 
email and data. I sometimes just don't know how we fix ourselves. This, let me go up here. That is in a middle school as explicit sex stuff on a board. And the scariest thing right there, a group of gay people were attacked by the trans people. They beat up the old man, and then that group got banned from being able to use Venmo and PayPal. They were banned. Because it's all about one group thought. It's so bad now. We are in such a bad spot. The Canadian Broadcasting Company, it's a slippery slope. How young men fall into online radicalization. And do you think it's Oman? Do you think it's Reed, Tlaib? It's Ben Shapiro. Apparently, I'm a very scary person. I'm a very scary person, it turns out, because a lot of people watch shows like this one. People watch this show. People listen to this show. People watch clips of me saying things on the YouTubes. And according to the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, which is essentially the NPR of Canada, this is a state-funded enterprise, a left-wing state-funded enterprise in Canada. Apparently, all of my speech should probably be banned because after all, people might watch my stuff. And then there's an off chance that they might then see even worse stuff. And then that might lead them down a rabbit hole to the super, super bad stuff. There's an entire article on the CBC website titled, It's a Slippery Slope, How Young Men Fall into Online Radicalization. Uh, By the way, it it is fun to watch how the left treats slippery slope arguments when they're coming from their side. When the right says, you know, if you go along with civil unions, eventually it'll be gay marriage. And if you go along with gay marriage, eventually it'll be attempting to force people to accept same-sex marriage in religious schools. Then that's a slippery slope we cannot abide even if the slippery slope completely materializes. But apparently it is fully okay to make a slippery slope argument when I say something that is not extreme. It's possible to make the argument that somebody might view that and then see something that's a little more extreme, a little more extreme than that, and eventually they end up being a Nazi. This is the case the CBC is about to make. Quote, Reed Brown remembers the first time he got sucked in by the algorithm. He was just 13, watching videos after school when YouTube started pushing him to controversial content. As time went on, the videos became increasingly extreme, says Brown, now 21. It started out pretty benign, he recalls. You're watching something about teen fashion, and then the next thing you know, the algorithm would push you to a Ben Shapiro video. Oh, no. Though Shapiro describes himself as a conservative political commentator, his views are controversial. Uh, is there another way to describe me other than as a political commentator who is conservative? Like, is, is, there another, is there another description that is more apt? What they want to say here, of course, is that I'm alt-right. The problem is that people in the media, including The Economist, have attempted to call me alt-right before, and we have then threatened them with legal action because the alt-right hates my guts, and I've ripped the alt-right routinely doing full speeches about the alt-right, and so they've had to retract such statements. So instead, they say, well, I call myself conservative, but you know what they would call me? They would call me an extremist, which goes to show you that if they call me an extremist, you're definitely an extremist as well. Though Shapiro describes himself as a conservative political commentator, his views are controversial. Some are outright discriminatory. 
wow, I didn't know that. Well, what are my discriminatory views? It seems to me that I've always been of the viewpoint that, for example, people should be treated as individuals, not based on their race or their religion. I, I'm, I thought that that was like basic to my worldview, actually. But it turns out, it turns out, according to the CBC, that some of my views are outright discriminatory. He suggested, for example, that transgender people suffer from a mental disorder. Oh, you mean me and the American Psychiatric Association? Like in the Diagnostic Statistical Manual 5, it literally labels gender dysphoria a mental disorder because it used to be called gender identity disorder. You, you, mean, you mean that? So it's now discriminatory to say that people who have gender dysphoria, in fact, suffer from a mental disorder, which they clearly do since it is labeled as such in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual as politicized and left-wing as the DSM is. But apparently that's discriminatory, guys. We have to pretend that men who say they are women are actually suffering from some sort of mind-body misalignment. And the problem is with their body. So if we just chop off some body parts, then magically they're a woman because their brain is the brain of a woman. Now, you might have to have a mental disorder to believe that, but that's actually not science. But if I say that, it's apparently discriminatory. Says the CBC, Shapiro has combined 9.4 million subscribers and followers on YouTube and Twitter, many of whom are young people. No, not the youths, not the youths like Brown was when he got pushed in Shapiro's direction. Well, Shapiro is not affiliated with any hate group. Experts, ah, the ever-present experts in media, gender studies, and radicalization of young men say the commentator's content is prevalent in online extremist communities. So they're saying openly, there's no evidence that I'm affiliated with a hate group because I'm not affiliated with a hate group and they have no evidence of it because it doesn't exist. But they do have experts. They have and who are these experts? Who are these massively influential, important, and very expert experts? Who are they? They are experts in media. Wow. How do you even get that hat? How do you, how do you earn the expert in media hat? Do you go to like a journalism program, a journaliming program at a top university taught by other professors who have failed out of the media because they weren't able to hold a job and now they are academics and all they do all day long is talk about the media, but they don't actually have an audience like, like we do here on this show. They just sit at an Ivy League an Ivy League board room and discuss their expertise in front of students? Is that what they do? They're experts, by the way, in gender studies. Ooh, well, experts in gender studies. That must mean that they believe a bunch of crap that isn't true, but then they get to churn out little versions of themselves who then become the professors because you can't actually get a real job. If you major in gender studies, you ain't getting a real job doing anything. That is not a major that qualifies you for anything except being a professor in gender studies. It is a fully self-perpetuating cycle of uselessness. Also, experts in the radicalization of young men. So I assume these are people who study, like, you know, Islamic terror, for example. But no, actually, it just turns out that radicalization of young men just means that people, they don't like what I say. The exposure to controversial and increasingly harmful views. Harmful. This is the key word for the left. Harmful. As we will see, this is how you criminalize speech. The way that you criminalize speech is you say, speech is harmful because if my feelings are hurt, you have harmed me. You have aggressed against me. And thus, you must be shut down. I mean, it's the equivalent of me like hitting with a baseball bat or something. The exposure to controversial and increasingly harmful views about masculinity, the objectification of women, and the LGBT community has these same experts raising concern about how extremist far-right groups are using TikTok, YouTube, and other social media apps in a drip campaign to slowly radicalize vulnerable teens and young men. Ooh. Okay, so uh, I just have a couple of questions about that particular paragraph. They say, the exposure to controversial views about masculinity. What are my controversial views about masculinity? What are they? That men exist? I'm, that, I, I don't think that's particularly, that, that men should finish high school, get a job, 
get married and take care of their kids without abandoning them? Is that the controversial view about masculinity? Is, is the controversial view about masculinity that men should be responsible husbands and fathers? What, what, where, what's controversial? If that's controversial, it's just because society is insane, not because what I'm saying is controversial. The objectification of women. That's a, that's a new one. I hadn't heard that one before. In case you didn't notice, I wear a funny hat. The hat is called a kippah. That kippah suggests that I'm an Orthodox Jew. I'm trying to make this linkage for the CBC, a state-funded enterprise in Canada. And um, you know what the Orthodox Jews are not so big on is the objectification of women. We're not super big on that. I've been an outspoken anti-porn advocate since I was like 16 years old. I was an advocate and still am for virginity of both sexes until marriage. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need some evidence on the objectification of women front. By objectification of women, do you mean that I think that there are actual standards of beauty and that there are many people in popular culture who we have been told are supposed to be seen as beautiful who are not objectively beautiful? Obviously, that's true. Obviously, that's true. If you poll men on whether Lizzo is beautiful and I say Lizzo is not, by any classical definition, a beautiful person. That does not mean that that is objectification of women. That just means that there is a standard called beauty and it has meaning and content. Okay, that's not a particular controversial view, unless, again, you're an insane person. But they say that I have increasingly harmful views about LGBT community. Now, I assume that what they mean by this is that I say, you know, as most societies have said for literally all human history, that the foundation of a successful society is man, woman, child. That heterosexual sex within marriage is the morally preferable form of sex in society, that all of human progeneration is rooted in it, that all of societal stability is founded upon it, and that when you get rid of the standard, that there is, in fact, a moral superiority to heterosexual sex within the confines of marriage. When you get rid of that, you end up destabilizing both reproduction and society itself. And this is basic natural law kind of stuff. Seems to be backed by a fair bit of evolutionary biology as well. This is not saying that the government should regulate the type of sex that people can have in the privacy of their own bedroom. It is to say that pretending that there is no level of moral superiority to your sex life is very, very silly when we apply moral superiority and inferiority scales to literally everything else you do from the food that you eat to the clothes that you wear. So apparently that's very controversial as well. And that, that, that's, that's really bad. The goal of the CBC piece, of course, is to get my content banned on social media. And so what they have to do here is that they can't actually say what about my views is so terrible. So instead what they do is they say, well, you know, young people watch my stuff and then they increasingly watch other people's stuff. And those other people's stuff is really bad. And then even worse stuff. Now, again, they'll never use this argument about, for example, marijuana and the fact that virtually everyone who does hard drugs originally started with marijuana. That, that, that argument was ruled out of bounds long ago. And we have to pretend now, by the way, that marijuana is not addictive. Marijuana is, in fact, addictive by all available data. We have to pretend all that stuff. But we're not allowed to make that argument with regard to a slippery slope on drugs. We're also not allowed to make the argument with regard to a slippery slope on pornography. If we say that people access porn and a subsection of the people who access that porn are going to access more and more extreme versions of porn up to and including violent porn, and that that has an effect on people's souls and it makes them less sensitive toward women. You're not supposed to say that either. That's really bad. So again, slippery slope arguments only apply to the things that they want them to apply to, namely politics. Ben fucking Shapiro. And it's not because he's an extremist. It's because he doesn't sing their tune. He doesn't go by their hymnal book. He calls out their lies. I was in shock when I heard this.
I'm going to play this too. This is a interesting article. Well, we'll see about that. A house or a laptop? Let's uh, get that done while I continue on. That's pretty interesting. But it's just absurd. Sorry, I brain farted as I was looking at it. That is what we deal with every day down here in the United States. Because remember, that is a government-funded Canadian TV. It is just like PBS, and it's all woke all the time. None of it is normal. None of it is nonpartisan. None of it's straight up. It is completely one-sided, the agenda from the left, and if you don't believe in it, you're a piece of shit. Those kind of people are writing the history, folks. They're the ones that need to watch the U.S. and the Holocaust. More is breaking from the FBI guy. They are not investigating anything right now. Everything they're doing is about you and me. People that were at the Capitol. That's all they're covering. They're not covering any other crime. That's why Jane's Revenge burns shit down. That's why fucking this kid gets killed and nobody will be up there investigated. It won't be a hate crime. It won't even be politically motivated. It'll be 100% bias. And they hate DeSantis so much, my media jerk-off is all DeSantis hate. It starts with Joy Reid. I am a politic, the media jerk-off of the week. You know, I, we've we've I mean, I think at some point you're going to have to embrace the, the fact that this is happening to a certain extent. I would say, look, you've got people that want to work. They want to do an honest day's work for an honest day's pay, not for slave wages. Give them an honest day's pay. And you've got a shortage of workers. If you go to any restaurant in San Antonio, Texas right now, you're going to wait a long time to get your table, even though there's empty tables, because there's not enough wait staff to wait on you there. You're going to wait a long time for your food because there's not enough people to, to cook it in the back half the cooks maybe aren't aren't showing up to work or they've quit hire these folks give them the opportunity to work legally and then make sure that the that the employers that are employing them are doing it the right way and paying them correctly and then here's the catch tax them on it so that they're paying taxes on any income that they're making they're not making any more than anybody else but they're not making any less than anybody else either and they're paying their fair share of taxes I, I really think to a certain extent now obviously I know we can't let anybody into the count into the country there's going to be people that are undesirables they may have a terrorist background they may have a criminal background keep those folks in their country of origin but people that just want to do a hard day's work for a hard day's pay Bring them on in and let's let's put them to work. Let's let them do so. But in terms of the crisis on the border, something that directly needs to be addressed, I want to talk about where the White House 
is at in terms of solutions, right? We have some reporting from NBC. The DHS officials have presented the White House with some options, including flying migrants to the country's northern border with Canada to alleviate overcrowding on the U.S.-Mexico border. Under a plan proposed by DHS, migrants would be sent to such cities as Los Angeles, where shelters would get an advance warning to have time to prepare for the influx. Now I know some people are going to say, sending migrants on planes, wait, 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 alarm bells. Tell me how that is meaningfully different than what DeSantis and Abbott are doing. So let me just say a, a couple of things about what's happening at the border. The DHS put out a report laying out what kind of a migration situation that we're dealing with, which is very new. I mentioned Venezuela. I mentioned Nicaragua. I mentioned Cuba. We have seen an increase of about 121 percent from since last year of what's going on with these countries that are fleeing communism. So that has gone up. And if you look at North, the North uh, Central America, in the last three months, we have seen a decrease of about 43 percent. So we are in a different uh, kind of migration uh, uh, um, uh, component right now. And so we have to deal with where we are. So the way that we have worked this through is that there's Title 42, which is a court-ordered um, uh, uh, order uh, process that we have to go. Immigration showdown. Overnight, a new criminal investigation targeting Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who flew that group of migrants to Martha's Vineyard. A criminal investigation has been launched into the migrant flights ordered by Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, as the government reports apprehensions top two million for the first time this year. The Texas officials launching that criminal investigation insist that Republicans are playing politics with human lives, claiming that those migrants were lured onto those flights with false promises of opportunity and work that they are desperately looking for. This morning, a Texas sheriff launching a criminal investigation against Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, just days after he flew dozens of migrants to Martha's Vineyard. New twist, a criminal investigation now launched into those surprise flights carrying migrants to Martha's Vineyard. Just ahead, the sheriff who says they were lured under false pretenses. The battles over immigration and the dozens of migrants sent from Florida to Martha's Vineyard last week, those battles are heating up this morning. Those unannounced flights are now the focus of a criminal investigation. Strong words from the Bear County Sheriff who says these migrants flown to Martha's Vineyard were preyed upon. Meantime, the I want to tell you the story of Luigia Colucci. Back during the First World War, she was stuck alone in Italy with her teen daughters. But the homeland had become too dangerous. So in 1917, they boarded a ship to America, where her husband and son had already settled for work years earlier. On that trip, German U-boats were just one of the hazards they faced. While Luigia and her girls were still at sea, America, which had already allowed in thousands of Europeans, passed the Xenophobic Alien Act. It banned migrants from Asian countries as well as immigrants who couldn't read. That was a problem for Luigia. Passenger records show that she and her daughters were illiterate. But Luigia was lucky. The Alien Act would not take effect until that May. She and her children were put on a train to be reunited with Luigi's husband and son. Luigi lived for four more decades as an American with a great big American family. It's a story that millions of immigrants to America can tell. Because despite all the anti-immigration sentiment back then, America had pretty open borders compared with today. It didn't even have a militarized border patrol yet. And migrants like Luigi Colucci didn't have to worry about being put on a plane under false pretenses and shipped thousands of miles away for an anti-immigration stunt. Of course, 
That's what Florida Governor Ron DeSantis did to about 50 mostly Venezuelan migrants who were tricked into boarding a plane in Texas that dumped them on Martha's Vineyard. The sheriff of Bear County, Texas, where those migrants were picked up off the street, is now investigating the case as a possible crime. What DeSantis did, what he and conservatives are bragging about, was gross, inhuman, cold-hearted. And it's even worse when you think of Luigi Colucci trying to get into America over 100 years ago, because you see, Luigi Colucci is Ron DeSantis's maternal great-great-grandmother, as Florida-based genealogist Megan Smolenyak revealed back in 2018. How does DeSantis feel about the fact that his family matriarch was almost barred from entry to America by the immigration hardliners of that time? How does he feel about the fact that she could be called an example of what conservatives like to denounce today as chain migration, that she had an anchor baby once she got here? DeSantis has never commented, but here's what he told a conservative conference just last week. We're not globalists who believe that foreigners have a right to come into our country whenever they want to, whether it's illegal immigration or whether it's just mass immigration through the legal process like the diversity lottery or chain migration. Uh, that is not conducive to assimilating people into American society. That language should make your skin crawl. Ron DeSantis' callous disregard for the migrants that he paid to ship to Martha's Vineyard, that was bad enough, a level of inhumanity that should be immediately disqualifying for public office. But it's more than that. Ron DeSantis and a whole lot of other nativist Republicans are American by virtue of the fact that their ancestors, their white European ancestors, benefited from effectively open borders policies that are nothing like the immigration police state we have today and that DeSantis wants to expand and harden. Um, this is unusual, um, given what I know of Florida politics. A South Florida radio host uh, on Spanish language radio, whose name is Roberto Rodriguez Tejera, said, this truly this is criminal they're using human beings to advance political points of view condemned him and compared uh desantis to fidel castro what are people saying inside the state about this scheme the best part about all of this is unlike the rest of the republicans desantis just doesn't lay down so here's two sound bites that are really good the first one's going to be somebody thanking desantis that didn't get on the air and DeSantis shooting back at these assholes. Were you surprised at all when Governor Ron DeSantis decided, okay, you know what, guess what? I'm gonna send 50 of the migrants uh, who volunteered to come to this, to come, to come to Boston, to come to Martha's Vineyard. Were you surprised when they arrived? No, I wasn't. And I actually, I really praise him for doing that because it wasn't a stunt. I know the media has been saying it's a stunt, but um, you know, how do you get the attention of of, of the administration? How do you get the attention of Harris, who's supposed to be in charge of this? That Do you think she's been a good border czar? I don't, it's really a joke and everyone knows it. The House Democrats uh, held a news conference earlier this morning where they were condemning the migrant flights. Um, Representative Jeffries, he said, and I'm quoting him, he said, you and Governor Abbott need to stop acting like, or start acting like governors and stop acting like human traffickers. First, what is your response to that? And second, is there a second migrant flight going from Texas to uh, Delaware? Right so when Biden is flying these people all over the fruited plain in the middle of the night, I didn't hear a peep out of those people. Okay? I didn't hear a peep. I 
haven't heard a peep about all the people that have been told by Biden you can just come in and they're going, they're being abused by the cartels, they're drowning in the Rio Grande. You had 50 that died in some shed in Texas. I heard no outrage about any of that. Uh, I haven't heard outrage about all the fentanyl that's come across the border that's killing Americans in record numbers. I don't hear... I don't hear outrage about the criminal aliens that have gotten through and have then victimized people, not only in Florida, but all throughout the country. I didn't hear any outrage about that. The only thing I hear them getting upset about is you have 50 that end up in Martha's Vineyard. Then they get really upset. And I'm sorry. Those migrants were being treated horribly by Biden. They were hungry, homeless. They had no, no opportunity at all. The state of Florida, it was volunteer, offered transport to sanctuary jurisdictions because it's our view that, one, the border should be secured. And we want to have Biden reinstitute policies like remain in Mexico and making sure that people aren't overwhelming. But short of that, if you believe in open borders, then it's the sanctuary jurisdictions that should have to bear the brunt of the open borders. So that's what we're doing. But what happened was they were, they were provided um, an ability to be in the, the most posh sanctuary jurisdiction maybe in the world. And obviously it's sad that Martha's Vineyard people deported them the next day. They could have absorbed this. They chose not to. But what it shows is if 50 was a burden on one of the richest places in our country, what about all these other communities that have been overrun with hundreds or thousands? It shows you what now these policies are on the front burner people need to be talking about. Biden can't defend his policies of open borders. Uh, it's doing huge damage uh, to our country. It's costing a lot of money. It's costing lives with the drugs that are pouring across. And so the question is, is why are you supporting Biden's policies? Why don't you step up and tell him you're failing and let's do it differently? Because you know what? He inherited a border that wasn't like this. He has created the crisis. But now at least we know nobody can deny that there's a crisis. Everybody now knows. And it was only because you had to have the elite who want to have the cost on everybody else and they don't want to have to shoulder that. That's the only reason now people are talking about this. Good on them. Just good on them. These fucking people are garbage humans. And I want to go back to this. Because I fucked this slide up pretty bad when I started the show. But these are all the terror watch lists. You can see under Trump, you can see now 78. And nobody's covering it but Fox. 12 people arrested at the border in August are on the FBI's terrorist screening database, among 78 so far this fiscal year, triple the last five fiscal years combined, which demonstrates that warnings have been ignored. I can say quite clearly, don't come. Do not come. Do not come. They've been coming in record numbers, and Republican governors, including Florida's Ron DeSantis, believe flying migrants to blue districts inland is making a symbolic impact. It's opening people's eyes to the solution, which is let's have a secure border. Let's have remain in Mexico. 
The White House claims they're willing to talk to DeSantis and others. We're always happy to have conversations about ways to further improve border processing. So they're happy to have conversations, but they haven't picked up the phone yet, and it doesn't sound like that's coming soon. I mean, there's no understanding to be reached. DeSantis argues the larger problem here is Biden's immigration policy. They'll say like, oh, you know, sending a bus from Texas is a stunt. Using them as a political stunt. The biggest stunt was Biden coming in as president and reversing Trump's policies just so he could virtue signal that he was against Trump. The president himself laughing off questions about migrants landing in Delaware and offering DeSantis an invitation. He should come visit. We have a beautiful shoreline. President Biden is now in New York City ahead of the United Nations General Assembly. And according to a briefing that we got from the National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan, when talk turns to foreign policy, the president plans to focus more on stuff happening overseas as opposed to at the... So basically, we have a president who's opened up the border so that he can get more voters and replace the voters that don't believe in his bullshit. And while he's doing it, 78 fucking terrorists walk in the country that we know of. So I ask in all of this, since we just had it happen, because the president called everybody who doesn't think like him, believe like he does, enemy of the state, and somebody took action and ran over an 18-year-old fucking kid. So when DeSantis gets shot, is that going to be the media's fault? When a terrorist blows up something in this country, is it going to be their fault? Or is it still going to be Trump's? Because I've been sitting on this for a while, but I'm going to play it today. Here's just, how many sound bites do I have? They're very short. There are, come on, computer. Twelve sound bites. This is 35 years of bias. And if you notice as it gets closer and closer to now, they don't even try to hide that they're just partisan hacks. Largely as a result of the policies and priorities of the Reagan administration, more people are becoming poor and staying poor in this country than at any time since World War II. This is the CBS Evening News with Dan Rather and Connie Chung. Good evening, Connie's off tonight. The new Republican majority in Congress took a big step today on its legislative agenda to demolish or damage government aid programs, many of them designed to help children and the... I don't think I have any Jesse Helms defenders here, Nina. Not me. I think he ought to be worried about, the, uh, about what's going on in the good Lord's mind, because if there's re retributive justice, he'll get AIDS from a transfusion, or one of his grandchildren <laughs> will get it. Clarence Thomas is the best only at his ability to bootlick for Ronald Reagan and George Bush. They didn't pick him because he's black. They picked him because he is a black conservative. True. And the thing that bothers me about this appointment, if they had put David Duke on, I wouldn't scream as much because Dave, they would look at David Duke and reject him for what he is. If you gave Clarence Thomas a little flower on his face, you'd think you had David. 
I'm sorry, Senator, Please, let me just let me ask you, going to the same point, what do you think the bigger obstacle is for you in becoming president, the Clinton campaign machine or America's inherent racist, racism? Well, I, I, you know, I don't actually think race uh, has played a, a significant role in this campaign. I have no doubt that there are uh, people out there who might not be comfortable voting for me because uh, of my race, but I think there are some people who are excited about the prospects of uh, being able to help heal some of our past racial divisions. Overall, though, people are going to vote for me because they think I can deliver health care for them. They think that I can bring uh, well-paying jobs back to America. They believe that I can help repair our standing in the world and make us safer. Those will be the criteria by which... Good morning. The Gipper was an airhead. That's one of the conclusions of a new biography of Ronald Reagan that's drawing a tremendous amount of interest and fire today, Monday, September the 27th, 1999. This morning, we're going to begin by looking at this new biography of Ronald Reagan called Dutch. The author was actually handpicked by Ronald and Nancy Reagan, which is why some of his conclusions are so startling. The author Edmund Morris will be here for a three-part interview later this week, but in advance of that, we're going to see why Morris thinks Reagan was an airhead, but still a The man is on the court, you know, I hope his wife feeds him lots of eggs and butter, and he dies early <laughs> like many black men do of heart disease. But, uh, well, that's how I feel. I mean, I, he, he is an absolutely reprehensible person. What was a more likely cause of the Oklahoma City bombing? Talk radio or Bill Clinton and Janet Reno's hands-on management of Waco, the Branch Davidian compound? Well, obviously the answer is talk radio. Specifically, Rush Limbaugh's hate radio. Frankly, Rush, you have that blood on your hands now, and you have had it for 15 years. We have never invested as much in public education as we should have because we've always had kind of a private notion of children. Your kid is yours and totally your responsibility. We haven't had a very collective notion of these are our children. So part of it is we have to break through our kind of private idea that kids belong to their parents or kids belong to their families and recognize that kids belong to whole communities. Once it's everybody's responsibility and not just the households, then we start making better investments. And I want to ask you flat out, do you think President Clinton's an honest man? Yes, I think he's an honest man. Do you I think, really? I do. Even I though he, he lied man. to Jim Lehrer's face about the... Listen, uh, who among us have not lied about something? Well, I didn't lie to anybody's face on national television. I don't think you have, have you? I, I don't think I ever have. No. I hope I never have. But How look, it's one thing. Well, because I think he is. I think at core he's an honest person. I know that you have a different view. I know that that you consider it sort of astonishing anybody would say so. But I think you can be an honest person and lie. If you voted for Trump, you voted for the person who the Klan supported. You voted for the person who Nazis support. You voted for the person who the alt right supports. That's the crowd that you are. Uh, it's hard to be a parent tonight for a lot of us. Uh, you tell your kids, don't be a bully. You tell your kids, don't be a bigot. You tell your kids, do your homework and be prepared. And then you have this outcome and you have people putting children to bed tonight. And they, they're afraid of breakfast. They're afraid of how do I explain this to my children? This was a white lash. This was a white lash against a changing country. It was a white lash against a black. It was subtle. It wasn't that bad. 
And now we are fucking knee fucking deep in bias. Where they believe if you don't think like them, you're a threat. In there, you heard damn the conservatives a gumble, Katie Kirk, about good morning. The Gipper was an airhead. Um, I skipped the, the new Republican majority in Congress took a big step today on its legislative agenda to demolish or damage government aid programs. A journalist from NPR, I think Senator Jesse Helms ought to be worried about what's going on in good Lord's mind because if there is a rebuke, retributive justice, he'll get AIDS. Uh, Bob Franken, these seem to appeal to extreme white wing. The black dude, Clarence Thomas, the best only ability to bootlick for Ronald Reagan. The black lady, Pacifica Radio, is Juliana Malveaux. I hope his wife feeds him a lot of eggs and butter and he dies early like many black men do. Hassan was in there. I skipped a couple of them. Obama, what do you think the bigger obstacle for you to become president, Clinton or America's racism? This is 35 years. I didn't even play it all. It's an excellent fucking documentary on what has happened to our media. And our media has decided, after they handed the talking points to the left, hey, it's important for us to motherfucking save democracy. And how do we save democracy? Well, what we do is... We push the left and call the other guys the asshole. Yet what Abbott and DeSantis do is a fucking smidgen compared to what the left does all the fucking time. Biden right now is begging for more COVID money, but he already handed out trillions and nobody fucking used it. So I, I do have one funny. Greg Gutfeld has been saving us all since we have to go through this partisan bullshit with the media. And he came up with a awesome night of the Republican because we're so evil. And then you're going to just see cameramen. And I'll explain why you're seeing cameramen on the other side of this soundbite. Yesterday on CNN, humidor expert Bill Clinton discussed the Democrats' midterm chances. I wonder if the Republicans always close well. Why? The Republicans always close well. Why? Because they find some new way to scare the living daylights out of swing voters about something. So he claims Republicans win by scaring voters, which is pretty hypocritical considering he scared Epstein to death. But how scary do the Dems think Republicans really are? It's like they're living in a horror movie. They came from beyond the grave, from beyond space, from beyond Florida. <laughs> Night of the living conservatives. <laughs> 
driven by an evil force called the Constitution, obsessed with guns. God, getting up and going to work. They could be anywhere, at your job, at your school board meeting, at that vegan coffee shop where the service is bad, but the wait staff is diverse and there's a homeless man living in the gender neutral bathroom. Well, probably not there. Shambling, reanimated corpses. Yeah, not that one. Undead, unmasked, feasting on human brains. So if you're a Democrat, don't worry. Yet. Night of the Living Conservatives. Rated R for it. Those cameras are reporters up in Delaware because a rumor came out that they were going to send immigrants to Delaware. And I just think it's ultra comedic because they don't cover the border now, but they'll cover dangerous stunts. Is that what we're saying? Dangerous stunts. That's what we'll cover. Not the fact that there's fentanyl coming across, there's terrorists coming across, there's gangbangers coming across. No, we're not going to cover all that. That's not what we're going to cover. Which brings me on my clothes. This is my clothes. The rancor. You know, I'll just go to it. Because I was kind of shocked. Um, you know, I... I'm 55. I, uh... I've seen a lot. I've seen every president uh, pretty much get excoriated. That's what presidents do or comedians do. I mean, that's just what we do. It, It just happens. They make fun of president. It's one of the beautiful things that our country has that other countries don't have. You can dog the president. You can stand on a street corner and call him a dirty son of a bitch. And that's okay. Because we have what's called freedom of speech. It's been around for a long time. But under Obama, you were racist. And then they just started to stay with it. So Tim Allen, a funny guy, does what would be a normal joke on Saturday Night Live forever. If I was on 60 Minutes or heard, he asked how long the show was. That's pretty funny. That's pretty standard. He's old. Go back and look what they did for Gerald Ford. Look what they did for, for Clinton. They had him hanging out with Monica Lewinsky and they were, he was good friends with Saddam Hussein. 
But somehow under Obama, they changed, and we don't do that. So here, I this Joe Floor Jers, she's everywhere. Some liberal popped her up. Now, whether you want her in your feed or not, she's in your fucking feed. Just a second, folks. Let me say goodbye to the wife. Hold on. Love you, baby. Be safe. Go and get her hair did. Um, but you get this lady in your feed whether you want her in her feed. I hope they make Toy Story 5. That way a whole new generation of people only know you exist because you happen to voice a cartoon astronaut who plays perpetual second fiddle to Tom Hanks. How stupid is that? Well, let me reply. No, he doesn't. No, I got to make sure I got no caps on. No, he doesn't. They replaced him and made it a woke nightmare and it bombed. Had Tim Allen been on it, it would have been a moneymaker. Man, you really are bad at this, aren't you? Use Google or better yet, MSN. They are less liberal slanted. What a fucking moron. Um, next one. So glad to see no one posted negative comments about our brilliant POTUS who saved our country and is working entirely to save our democracy. Instead, they respond to how disrespectful and mean-spirited you are. Oh, and how you're a has-been. There are um, 18,000 replies. How could people dislike Biden after the dumpster fire that was Trump? Dear Trump supporter, congratulations. Not only have you contributed to the downfall of a once great and proud country. This is a meme they hand off. I'm not even reading. It's embarrassing. Um, let me see. They won't, they won't even break it down. It's so big. Biden wins. Today's inspirational comment. Don't be a dick. Really? Okay. I'll bite. Show me a party president that has done more for Americans. One of three, Tim, not sure who you support yet by the remark, would say you're putting, pulling for a con man. This guy does three. Uh, last man standing seems to think that it's a joke and premises crappy worldview or like it's hero, endangered somehow. Uh, last man standing doesn't exist. Tim gets it. Tim Allen tells mild joke about Biden. Liberals Twitter reacts. Except it wasn't funny. Hey, Tim, stay in your lane. Jonah's done more for your working class people. It's all party line. Scott Bayo of Kevin Sorbos. That's what Tim Allen is. Would love to see the uncut version where the 60 Minutes leaker's worst ever. You will forever be my favorite comedian. You're the best. Have you seen his stand-up or are you cre- crediting him with the talent the writers of a show have had? We're broken. We're just broken. A benign joke like that. Two years into a presidency where today, once again, I play him shaking hands with nobody. His wife has to lead him the fuck around. He is not speaking English. But you joke... That wasn't a bad joke. That wasn't a mean joke. Just a joke. 
and you're inundated with lefty hate. And I grabbed that a long time before somebody killed somebody. And I go, where's the media coverage of that? All you hear is about one day where a group of individuals, some conservative, proven, some liberal, and proven, an Antifa member financed by NBC fucking news, stormed the Capitol. 200 people roughly did bad things. The rest just walked around and thought they could. They went out and rounded up 900 motherfuckers, put them in jail like Gitmo, without bail or representation, for just being present. On top of that, probably another five, 600 people lost their jobs because they went to a speech. Whether you like the speech, whether you think the speech was right, that's not the point. This is America. There are plenty of fucking liberal speeches. I remember motherfuckers storming the fucking White House. And the media said they got tear gassed. But they were storming the fucking White House. That was okay. How? I do not know. But it was okay. I have watched for six fucking years the most unfunny, petty, mean-spirited skits start Saturday Night Live for fucking six years, folks. I don't get offended by it. You know what I do? I fast forward to the cold open. Now I know I can occasionally get one good pre-did video they do, and it'll be funny. They'll get an old person to curse or some rap song, and I'll watch it. Most of the show I just fast forward through because it's not funny. The ratings for Saturday Night Live are low as shit. And let's be honest, Greg Gutfeld, a show that I watch, but it's not great every night. He is stomping a mud hole in everybody else. We're talking like a half a million more viewers every fucking night of the week. That's Colbert. That's fucking Jimmy Kimmel. That's Jimmy Fallon. Real comedians. He is smoking them. And you know why? Because it's not mean-spirited shit. They have a funny skit where a guy comes on and impersonates Biden. That's on about every other show. But it's funny. Somewhere in there, there's jokes, and they're not always about Biden, or they're not about the liberals, or they're not about transgender. They're just jokes. But if you tune in to Kimmel and Jimmy, it is, it's not funny. None of it's funny. In fact, I think there's one here. I just didn't play it. Yeah, right here. Now, because they hate they just can't articulate funny jokes anymore. They're starting to get the picture that really the guy they need to worry about is DeSantis. Here's Colbert on DeSantis. 
You know that I like wrestling with life's big questions, like why do bad things happen to good people? Or better still, why don't more bad things happen to terrible people? <laughs> people. People like Florida governor and bodybuilder. Florida governor and bodybuilder who always skips head day. Ron DeSantis. You'll recall that Governor DeSantis tried to score some cheap political points in Florida by dragooning people off the streets in Texas and smuggling to Massachusetts. Well, good news. We just found out that a Texas sheriff is investigating DeSantis's role in flying migrants to Martha's Vineyard. Hell yeah! Get him! You can catch it all on the new TV show, Walker, Texas, Florida, Martha's Vineyard. It's not funny. How about, here's some Jimmy Kimmel colonoscopy jokes. Jimmy, I am the host of the show. Thank you for watching. Thanks, relax, please. We, gotta, we have a lot to go through tonight. Um, we have a new group of bachelorette hopefuls, a new richest man in the world. But before all that, I feel like we have no choice but to review the contents of a new book about Donald Trump. You remember that guy? Okay, so today... Uh, we got a fresh batch of inside stuff, way inside stuff, from Stephanie Grisham, who served as Trump's White House press secretary and Melania's chief of staff. She was on the inside from day one. She's got a book. It's called I'll Take Your Questions Now. And you're not going to believe this. Turns out this Trump character is a real nut. It's a real... <laughs> According to Stephanie Grisham, first of all, he cuts his own hair with a giant pair of scissors, which is by far the least shocking revelation of all of them, but... Let's just run through them. Grisham says that during the G20 summit in 2019, Trump told Vladimir Putin before their meeting, he said, okay, I'm going to act a little tougher with you for a few minutes, but it's for the cameras. After they leave, we'll talk, you understand. Which is, this is not something a president says to a, another world leader, especially Vladimir Putin. This is something Hulk Hogan would say to Andre the Giant before WrestleMania. And when all that uh, Stormy Daniels stuff came out, Grisham says Trump called her from Air Force One specifically to let her know his penis was not small or toadstool-shaped. <laughs> Which is basically confirmation that his penis is small and toadstool-shaped. <laughs> Can you imagine... Thanks for letting me know, Mr. President. <laughs> Grisham also detailed the length staffers would go to mitigate his, his temper tantrums. He said the White House had a guy they called the music man. It turns out this guy happened to be her boyfriend at the time, who would play Trump's favorite show tunes to calm him down. I love it. The president is furious. Someone get his Cheetah Rivera CD fast. <laughs> and one of the songs they would play to cool Trump down was Memory from Cats. <laughs> of course, that's Trump's favorite show. It's the, from the only musical that grabs you by the pussy, Cats. Stephanie Grisham, who sat and quietly watched all this lunacy go down, admits she should have spoken up more. More, in the nine months she was press secretary, she didn't hold a single press conference. She should have spoken up once. That would have been more than... Not and by the way, it's not just her. No one spoke up. All these so-called adults in the room, as they like to call themselves. If the president is snorting Adderall and throwing fried chicken at foreign leaders... Maybe don't wait three years to put it in a book, but this is the funniest bombshell. You remember back um, a couple years ago, Trump took that mysterious trip to Walter Reed Hospital and people were thinking maybe he had a heart attack or a stroke or something? It was neither of those things. He went to the hospital to have a colonoscopy. 
and he had it without anesthesia for two reasons. Number one, because he didn't want to give power to Mike Pence, even for a short time, for real. And number two, he didn't want to be the butt of a joke on late night TV, which <laughs> I have to say, I, it gives me a lot of satisfaction as a late night talk show host to know that he opted to stay awake while they augured his innards with a sewer snake, <laughs> specifically because he didn't want us making fun of him. I, I feel good, and I also feel cheated, because when a president, especially this president, gets a colonoscopy, it is my duty, that's right, duty, to make jokes about it. And... So to make up for what I'm contractually and ethically obligated to deliver to you, it's time for some Trump colonoscopy jokes. They're a few years old, but I think you're gonna like them. All right. Here we go. Jonathan, I'm gonna need you. Uh, uh, president went to Walter Reed Hospital for a colonoscopy today. Uh, it took a while because the doctor kept accidentally sticking the camera in his mouth. <laughs> you know, as soon as, they, as soon as they switched the camera on, Trump turned around and said, hey, doc, how are the ratings? The president's doctor decided to schedule this procedure after the White House toilet killed itself. <laughs> it was a good thing Trump had this done because they found two cancerous polyps were removed immediately. The doctor said the hardest thing about giving Trump a colonoscopy was getting the camera around Mike Pence's nose. And, but Trump thought it went great overall. He got a he got a perfect report. Uh, afterwards, the whole medical team kept saying, wow, what an unbelievable a Thank you. That sounds good. Well, you know what? He gave us a colonoscopy for like four years. It's time we gave one back. Today, by the way, is National Voter Registration Day. California, as of yesterday, is a vote-by-mail state, which means all voters here get a ballot mailed to them at their house, whether they request it or not. Not funny. The worst part about this is conservatives worldwide have some key things or non-progs. I don't even classify conservatives. There is a far right, but I'm just saying normals have certain things. And most of it lays on now free speech, the ability to you to live your life the way you want to. We're basically liberals back when I was a kid. This is a Canadian dude, that soundbite I talked about earlier. Liberals are the same everywhere. Pierre Polyev as leader, good. No more liberals needed in conservative caucus. Well, on the show, we will be reacting to hilarious anti-Polyev TikToks, two from kind of no-name TikTokers. We're gonna be breaking it down on the show and having a good laugh. Also on the show, the Federal Green Party of Canada have decided to self-destruct because, of course, of the very real, very dangerous and sickening crime of misgendering their pansexual interim leader. Yes, because the Green Party misgendered Amita Kuttner, their pansexual interim leader. Well, of course, resignations must come. The party must self-destruct. There must be statements released about this horrible, violent incident. Well, I think it's time someone else had a good laugh at the Green Party, and that's what we're going to do on this show. And we wrap up the show, as we always do, with the Ratio of the Week Award. It couldn't go to anyone more deserving this week, guys. You all know who I'm talking about. This journalist put on the most epic meltdown I have perhaps ever seen at a press conference for an opposition leader. You know who I'm talking about. We'll get there on the show later. The common question for this episode is simple. Do you have faith that Pierre Polyev will, unlike his predecessors and Aaron O'Toole and Andrew Scheer, actually maintain his leadership promises? Will he be a conservative as leader of the opposition? Will he actually oppose 
Justin Trudeau, or will he fall back like Aaron O'Toole and Andrew Scheer did in letting this government go on unopposed? Let me know in the comments what you think. Do you have confidence in Pierre Polyev as the leader of the opposition? Drop a like on this video and share it around. And if you're feeling generous, consider donating to us at donate.tnc.news. The link is in the description of this video. All right, let's get into these TikToks. Once again, we are prepared to dip our toes into the TikTok waters, navigate the absurd lefty takes to pick out some of the very best on the show. And we found what I think is quite a good variety of takes. You've got You've got two that are of, of really unhinged leftists on Twitter. And then, for good measure, it wouldn't be a TikTok reaction, but if we didn't highlight Canada's very famous TikTok girl from Global News, she, of course, had to get in on the action, and we have that coming up. Now, let's dive into this first TikTok and see what the lefties are really saying about Pierre Polyev. The true bro is not my favorite. Do I think he's the worst prime minister ever? No. But here's a few things to consider. First of which is... The left is the NDPs, the Greens, parties like that. The Liberal Party is center-right, center, center-left center at best. The Liberal Party is center-right. Do you hear that, guys? The Liberal Party is center-right, center-left at best. Is that what you think of when you hear Justin Trudeau tell Canadians where they can and can't go? Is that what you think when you hear Christian Freeland freezing the bank accounts of peaceful protesters? Does does the center-right party come to mind? <laughs> Unreal. I wish I lived in these guys' world. It's not actually a huge jump for the moderate conservatives to jump over to the liberals. It's not a huge jump for moderate conservatives to jump over to the liberals. I would venture to guess that there won't be many moderate conservatives voting liberal. Then again, there are people like John Charest in the party who probably would consider themselves to be more liberal than conservative in private. So perhaps, maybe this person has a point. Have the liberals done a great job of appealing to them lately? No, not really. But thanks to the conservatives, they haven't had to. Because the conservatives have done their work for them. Because by going with such an extreme choice, whose values are so far removed from the average Canadian, Pierre Pauly of the extreme choice, whose values are so far removed from the average Canadian, as this TikToker says. Yes, is that why Pierre Polyev won 68% of the Conservative Party vote? Is that why he champions values like freedom? The main point of his campaign was all about freedom. Or we can talk about the other policies that he had, like defunding the CBC, giving Canadians the hope to buy a home, making their own medical choices. Is that so far extreme from the average Canadian viewer? Is that so far extreme from the average Canadian? Or is Justin Trudeau, the man who's really only in power because of a supply and confidence agreement, otherwise known as some sort of coalition deal with the weak-willed and spineless NDP? It's tough to make these giant leaps in logic and the facts so clearly speak to the opposite. The facts so clearly actually say that Pierre Polyev has struck a chord with Canadians, many of whom may not even con have considered themselves to be conservative prior to Polyev joining the leadership election. Don't forget now that the conservatives have something like over 600,000 members. Because as Pierre and his base are actively pushing the moderates out of their party, the party next closest to their values is simply the Liberal Party. Do I personally want seven more years of Trudeau? Absolutely not. But Polyev and his convoy have all but assured it. Oh, we'll see about that. We'll see about that. If Polyev and his convoy supporters have ensured Justin Trudeau another term as Prime Minister. All right, so there was that shocker. Let's see what else we have here. The, the, the caption is, I detest conservatives, but there were a few points that he made that I 100% agreed with. Oh, how dare you agree with Pierre Polyev? You know, you can't, you can't, you can't agree with the conservatives on TikTok. That's, that's a bad idea. So I see this kind of question fairly regularly. And I'm not calling this person out. They're allowed to think what they think. But it shows a much oh, good. They're allowed to think what they think. Movement. 
He's a political inkblot. His statements, his policies are so devoid of content. They're so boiled down to just a slogan. Fire the gatekeepers. Put you back in control of your lives. Get your freedom back. What does any of that mean? Okay, point taken. That doesn't change the fact that every other politician does that too. Don't forget that Justin Trudeau, before becoming prime minister, said that he would run the most open and transparent government in Canadian history. How did that turn out? It means whatever you want it to. And that's by design. He attacks outwards constantly. It's a perpetual reign of attacks on Trudeau, Jagmeet Singh, unions, gatekeepers, that person who messed up his sandwich at lunch, and basically everybody you can think of. <laughs> this is good. I think I'm starting to understand this here. The left want conservatives to just attack themselves. You can't attack the left if you're the conservatives. You have to attack yourselves. You have to call your own base racist. You have to distance and denounce as the left so often requires conservatives to do in this country. That's what they want you to do. They, they think it's wrong for the opposition leader, the new opposition leader, while running to be, to take that position, to attack the government, to attack the party propping up the government and the NDP. That's wrong. You have to attack. They're all the same. When they don't win, they get angry. When they don't win, they say it was stolen. The first time in my life anybody ever said an election was stolen from any other party but the Democrats was this last one. And it was stolen. It was stolen by rigged polling. It was stolen by the media that suppressed everything that was negative for Biden. It was stolen that they carried his sound bites for him. It was stolen because they changed 80 fucking votes and they didn't do any voter ver verifications of signatures, ID cards, and it's already been proven that people voted in multiple states. They, they stole it. Everybody knows they stole it. They know they stole it. They know they stole it because they got so many votes, it was too much votes, but then they go, fuck it, we want this forever, and then they try to change all voting. Forever. They stole it. And they're gonna steal it going forward. Because they are the fascists. You don't think it's just money that drives Vanderbilt to put in a children's or a transgender clinic, do you? It's what I said in the beginning. If you don't put woke, they're going to attack you. And since everybody lives in social media, and social media is propagated by liberal thoughts, liberal owners, liberal silence, censors, liberal everything, people are just like the sign. They're going to put out the sign, I'm woke. They're going to end everything with some woke, or they're going to put a woke character in because they just don't want to deal with the fucking violence that comes with it. You don't think they actually didn't stop those riots because of social justice. They knew that was sending the ultimate signal. Give us what we want or we'll burn your fucking house down. That's why liberal cities everywhere defunded. They didn't want the precincts burned down. They didn't have it in the budget to replace all the cars that were getting firebombed. I mean, we are in such a bad way. This joke 
incites 18,000 hate letters. That was standard fare for Americans of the president. The country where it's okay to dog the president. They don't send people like the DOJ, FBI, and IRS on you. Oh, wait a minute. That's happened in my lifetime. Oh, you say it hasn't? Well, oh, it did. Dinesh D'Souza went to jail under Obama. IRS stopped fucking 501Cs while they let every liberal one go. We now know that the FBI is scattering all the January 6th defendants to make it look like it's nationwide. They're not going after sexual abuse. They're not going after Jane's revenge. They're not going after the fucking 87 that we know of terrorists that came in our country. They're going after white supremacy that doesn't exist. Where are they? I think they all were the tinky tortures. How many people were there? 180? I mean, if you go on non-liberal TikTok or non-liberal Twitter, you see people all the time. I don't even know a white supremacist. Because the media's lying. Right now, conservatives are liberals and liberals are conservative. From my youth. That's how it is. They are the fascists. They will silence you. They will get your job taken away from you. They will go after you if they can't get their way. That's this whole generation. It happened to me at my job. They were trained by Obama. You're a victim. Social media made them want to be a victim. Victims get fancy frames around their picture. Victims get likes and retweets. So everybody's a fucking victim. And as we've watched African Americans who got fucked over by the LGBT, LGB, and now have been just ass fucked by the T. The T is fucking up the LGB. And it's all about the T. The T took everything and realized its power. 0.5% of the country. And they get everything they want. And in the process of watching Obama, you didn't build that redistribution. We are now in, you will use the 99 pronouns in a bitch ain't one. You will do what we say or else we'll burn down your fucking warehouse, Amazon. Don't you notice that's one of the weirdest things? An Amazon warehouse got burned to the fucking ground and nobody ever said why. A guy shot up a bunch of people at a country festival. Nobody said why. A guy fucking had a pipe bomb and nobody said why. A guy fucking shot up a baseball game and it's off the fucking air. A guy drove a car through a fucking Christmas parade saying he wanted to kill Cracker. It's not there. And now a dude runs over an 18-year-old because he believes he's in an extremist group because the president of the United States just fucking told them everybody's against abortion till kindergarten, everybody who doesn't believe in open borders, everybody who doesn't believe in paying back people's college, everybody who doesn't believe that the fucking planet's ending in 10 years, 11 months, and so many days. They're extremists. It's all led to this, and our leaders, non 
Democrats have let it happen. They've watched it happen. They've done nothing to stop it. They were part of it, bending the knee to Black Lives Matter, who got a billion dollars and nobody knows where the money went. It's a billion who did $2 billion to $6 billion, depending on who you want to listen to, of damage. Murdered 36 people, injured 600 cops, all under the guise of a guy who was a career criminal who was dying of a fentanyl-laced meth overdose. We had as many funerals for George Floyd as we did for the fucking King of England or Queen of England. As many funerals for a career criminal who resisted arrest. What the cop did was wrong, but he was dying anyway. Everybody knows it. We have statues of George Floyd in our fucking country while we tore down every statue of people who actually added to the country. I'm not talking about Confederate. I'm talking about Abraham Lincoln. They took down a fucking elk because those goddamn elks are racist fucks. In our media right now, nine out of ten stories are about Trump. And they can't fit in one guy at the behest of the President of the United States who's doubled down on those mega extreme Republicans killing someone. But why should I be surprised? They ignored the violence during the 2016 election. They ignored deplorables. They ignored going to put you back in chains. They've ignored everything, including 60 Minutes, ignoring Hunter Biden's laptop and playing it off like it's not a problem. Do you think those publicans will use that against you? Well, why the fuck shouldn't they? It's full of crime. Gun violations, drug violations, all let off because he let them let them off. And the big guy... It's in emails. It's everywhere. He was the big guy. He was part of a conspiracy to use his name for money because he never thought he'd be president again. And who doesn't want a third house in Martha's Vineyard? And it's now two years later and we haven't even covered it. We haven't covered it. I don't even know what to say. I just don't know what to say. Because you know in exactly fucking... uh, 42 days, we have another election. And they're going to steal it. And important districts are going to steal it again because those districts never changed their laws. They have unattended ballot drops. It's okay for organizations to come give you a ballot, make you fill it out and take it back, even if you already voted. That happened last election. 
And what is the violence going to be if it doesn't get stolen? What is the violence going to be when the Republicans, hopefully, take the House and the Senate and they start blocking Biden? Because remember, they've already set up that 118 of them are seditionists, insurrectionists. They literally, in our country, in the year 2020, tried to get people not to be able to be on ballots because of an amendment done during the Civil War that was for blacks, but also included Confederate soldiers. That's how far back they went to try to stop people from being able to be on a ballot. And they're the very same people that a simple joke by a nice guy. In that thread, there are pictures of him when he got caught for cocaine. That's how angry they got off a joke. So this one murder that we know of, go back to the Trump times when I was playing videos of people getting taken out of their car and beaten for having a fucking mega sticker. You think that's not going to happen. It still is. It's the reason why most of us carry guns. It's the reason why we don't leave our house without a weapon now. They let the riots happen to send a signal. This is what happens when we don't get our way. They got their way during the election. But just like they did in 2012, they went too far and we saw what they were doing. Do you think they're going to go back? Do you think they're not going to continue to do the same dirty shit? Do you think the same fucking cabal that saved democracy? When you're running around saying that these people are threats to a democracy, how far will you go in shitting on that democracy? They'll go all the way. And then they'll not stop. They'll then go to guns. They'll then go to more than just censoring you. These people, as my bro and Oregon stated so eloquently, they're living 1984, but they are Big Brother. And the things they do are so fascist. They're things we've never done. But they're the very things they said Trump was going to do, and he didn't. They did it. And that's fucking scary. So this wraps up another episode of Flower Politic Podcast. Share with friends, family and friends. Go to FoppPodcast.com. Disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah, yeahs. We're still going to go with a, uh, what are we looking at? Uh, 26. 26 September, year of our Lord, 2022. That'll be Monday. I'll be our next podcast. Until then. Take care, my friends, and thanks for listening.